What's up, everyone? This is I'm Darius Phillips on Rise Up. Rise Up, guys. What's up? Uh, it's Dr. Dale here, founder of Black Men in White Coats, author of a couple of books here. If you're watching on the camera, you can see we got the books laid out. I got a few. Darius just got one right here, too. Um, I'm happy to be here. Just starting the podcast. Hey, definitely thrilled. And I just published my first book in May, so it's been a wild journey. Exciting. Yeah. So... You know, we just wanted to get this podcast out and just being real with you guys, all this, none of this was really that much planned. I just sent Derek a message a couple of days ago. I said, man, I feel like doing a podcast, <laughs> a different type of podcast. And I'm just glad that you said yes. And, you know, I do a few things already. We got the Black Men and White Coast podcast. I started this Maximize Monday deal. And then after that, let me, let me back up a bit while I'm doing this. Let me back up a little bit, right? So people always ask the same question all the time. All, I mean, I'm not joking all the time. You probably get it too. People are always like, hey, Dr. Dale, how do you do all these things? Like, how do you do, be a doctor, get the bugs, do yeah. this, do that, do this. So then that's why I decided to do that Maximize Mondays podcast because of that. Um, and of course, you know, it's on the back of a coaching business that we're working on and all sorts of stuff. And the Maximize Mondays are like, you I, have you seen, I don't know if you've seen them. I've watched a couple of them, yeah. Yeah, it's like two or three minutes long. Right, right. So don't, I can't get into that much detail about it. I was like, well, you know, I want to do something a little bit longer and get into a lot more detail and just really break stuff down. For all these people who are always asking me this question, hey, I want to I want to know how do you do all these things, just really talk about, have a podcast talk about, man, I'm all about this idea of self-development, rising up. So I'm just going to have a podcast where we just talk about whatever's going on in the real world. Nothing's planned, nothing's scripted. Right. Just raw. <laughs> it's just real. Raw. And what I love about that, I met you about a year ago. And we, we all met for lunch. And that was, I asked you the same question. <laughs> I said, how do you do it, Dr. Dale? And, oh, he, yeah. and I'll never forget what you said. He said, hey, we all have 24 hours in a day. And that really resonated with me because I was already, I was pretty active myself. But I'm like, doctor, doctors don't have time for <laughs> podcasting and writing books. Who does that? But yeah, you, you sincerely said we all have the same 24 hours. And that is so true. If something's a priority for you, you'll make time to do it no matter what. I mean, that's what, what it's all about, really, is that 24 hours. And, and people try to say, oh, I'm too busy. You're not too busy. Right. It's just not a priority. Just what I said. It's just not a priority for you. Exactly. But then I'm like, okay, I want to do this podcast. I want to be able to put it out there and just talk and tell people, you know, what I do when strategies for success and how to, how to knock things out, how to, you know, be as productive as possible. If I can't do this by myself, I need somebody who does the same types of stuff. And um, for me, it was easy, easy pick. I was like, man, who does this? I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to send Derek a message because, of course, we, you know, that's a good thing about um, having people around you who are similar. Because I'll say you and I are similar in a lot of ways. And for me, it was kind of like, I said, who do I know who's consistent? Yeah. And Darius puts out a podcast, the Mentor <laughs> Select podcast. If y'all haven't seen it, definitely check out that Mentor Select podcast. Definitely. Puts it out on a regular basis. I'm like, this dude is consistent. Every Wednesday. <laughs> Every Wednesday. Get it. Dude wrote a book, right? So, I mean, if, if you if you can write a book, that in and of itself says that yeah. you're playing ball on a different level. Because it takes discipline to write a book. Big time. Um, so, for me, it was really just an easy, easy pick, thinking about who am I going to ask to do this. Um, you and, of course, my brother, Dr. Daniel. But Dr. Daniel lives too far away. Mm -hmm. But ideally, what I would like to have, I got to get him to move down here, man. So, Daniel, if you're listening. <laughs> Come on down. Come on down. You got to move to Dallas, man. You got to move to Dallas. So we can do it with three people, but um, anyways, for me it was an easy pick. Yeah. So we were chatting before we had to cut it off because Darius Darius got to my house. We're in my house. Darius got to my house and started telling me about his day and all sorts of crazy <laughs> stuff and stuff about this um Geiger case that just wrapped up. And I was like, chill out, chill out. 
people around the world talking about this case. <laughs> yeah, but I, I had to tell them, I was like, don't tell me about it yet because, you know, that's some stuff we can talk about on the show today. Um, and again, we don't have nothing planned. And what I wanted to chime in on, though, as far as why it's an easy decision for me to say yes to you. One, I've been following Dr. Dale as far as what he's doing with black men and white coach, diverse medicine. I really believe in what he's doing. I'm big on mentorship. So just trying to plant that seed early in young boys and girls and minorities, letting them know, hey, you too can be a doctor. That's so important. So anytime you come with me, I'm like, I'm all for it. And then also you're someone, like say you're consistent and you, once you have an idea, you don't let it just bake for, think on it for a year or two. You're like, hey, let's make it happen. Let's go. And that's my mentality. Why wait? We're gonna figure this out. <laughs> only way to do it. Is, only way to do it is just do it. <laughs> I love it. so. Let's you know. Let's let's stay on that topic then. Actually, because that's a really big deal. Because one of those. So the answer to that question, really, how do you do all these things that you do? The answer, a, a big part of it is what you just said is just do it. Right. Is this you, you got an idea? Just do it. Because I mean, here's the deal. So all y'all listen to this podcast. You guys listen to me, right? Listen to me. You guys all think you got great ideas. You guys are like, man, I've got the best idea in the world. Yeah. I'm going to be real with you. Nobody cares. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Because everybody's got ideas. Everybody's, that idea you think in your head that you're the only person who has, trust me, <laughs> I've probably had it. Right. Derek just probably had it. Somebody else. Thousands of other people. <laughs> yeah. People have had that idea. So nothing that I do is new, right? Mm -hmm. um, nothing that Derek does is new. But the difference is we actually take the idea out of our brains. Execute. <laughs> That's all it is. Execution. So Ted, I'm going to ask you this. This is, um, can you think of what is something, I don't want to say the first thing, because that's hard to, that's hard to know, but just think about it. Time, is there a time for you where it was kind of like, I've got this idea. Is there an idea that you had that you think most people would not have stepped out to execute, but you jumped up on it and you decided, let me go execute on that? I would probably say the easiest one to come to mind is, is my book. Because the story behind me writing my book, Poverty Powerball, I had the idea, the concept for years, but I was working in corporate America and ironically, I ended up getting laid off. It was June 2018. And instead of going out and just like, hey, OK, I'm about to go back, and get another job. I'm like, hey, told my wife, I'm about to write a book. I'm going to take the next couple months to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's a hard sale <laughs> to tell your wife, especially when getting ready to have a baby. I said, baby coming, man. <laughs> yeah, baby shout, coming. Out to ba shout out to Baby Legacy, baby man. Legacy. Shout out to Baby Legacy. She's four months now. But yeah, I said, hey, I have no more excuses. Nothing's holding me back. Can't say I'm too busy. Oh, I got a job. Because I was in a comfort zone in reality. I had all these ideas. But getting laid off, it, it, it shocked me out of that comfort zone. And that's when I was like, okay. I'm about to execute on this book. <laughs> and within basically what I did, people say they don't have time, I uh, time block for an hour each morning and just got the ideas out of my head. 30 days later, I got a rough draft. And who can't find one hour a day to do something? People that say that, they're spending three, four, five hours watching TV series on social media. You just have to prioritize what's important to you. That's legit, man. That, I mean, that's really, that's the biggest thing. People say, hey, Dr. D, how do you do this? I say, well, I use my time pretty <laughs> fairly wisely. So I'm, you're not going to find me doing, I'm on social media, but I'm not going to be on social media all day long, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of kind of like that. And a lot of people, like you said, they'll say, I don't have time. Well, you got the time. You're just choosing to use it, watching movies and social media, <laughs> which is cool. Entertainment, yeah. Entertainment, yeah. Which is cool because I do all that same stuff too, you know? <clears throat> um, but you know what? Before we really get into this, I think what would be cool, I want to, we, we shouldn't do this, go into this too much, but. You know, there's this book. I just finished reading this like what a couple weekends ago, and right off the bat, man, I tell you, I opened this book up, and and that first, 
uh, chapter with first page even <laughs> just right in. jumps right in, hooks you in, um, and just just your background, man. So it's kind of cool. So we're two different people. It's funny we're kind of um, one and the same in terms of we have the same mentality, the same grind, the same hustle. We both want to impact change by really pouring into people's lives, adding value into people's lives. But we got different backgrounds. Um, majority of my life, I grew up in the suburbs, okay. you know, suburbia America, America. You know, there's you open this page of this book, man, <laughs> and you hear about pop, pop, pop. from the hood, yeah, from the <laughs> Gary hood, man, Indiana. Gary, Indiana. Um, I mean, I want you to go through the whole book because y'all need to go out and just get the book. But to, I, it'd be, I think it'd be cool so people get a sense as to from where you're coming from and you know how and where you're at now. If you just talk about just that first opening with your friend, leaving your mm -hmm. house and all that stuff. Right. So basically the introduction of the book, I, I start off every chapter with a quote from someone who's a celebrity now, rich and famous, but they grew up in poverty. They walked in the same shoes that I walked in. So it serves as an inspiration. And the book, and the book's called Poverty Powerball. Poverty too. Powerball. Basically how to turn adversity into your winning ticket. Any misfortune you feel you have, you can turn that into fortune. Yeah. And the first story, the intro, I talk about how it was me and my friends in my house playing a video game. They left out about nine o'clock at night, wanted me to come with them and walk to Burger King. It was past my curfew, but my parents wasn't there. I could have left with them and no one would have found out. But I just, just that gut instinct that day was like, nah, I'm, I'm gonna follow the rules. And within a couple minutes of my friends walking out of my house, they were shot, drive-by shooting. And both were shot multiple times, fortunately they survived. But that was that tragic experience incident taught me just the importance of doing the right thing when no one's looking. And just every tragedy, any adversity you go through is always a lesson in it. And that's what I look for. And that's what I, I teach in the book. I, mean, I think that's amazing. And again, I love, you know, I'm really big on this idea of diversity. And even, even here in this, um, you know, this little new podcast that we're launching, I think it's cool that you and I, people might say, oh, we're both black, we look alike, whatever. Um, some of my mindset, but we come from different backgrounds. and. And, you know, when you bring those things to the table, that's where you get more ideas. And I think that's why we can have a bigger impact and, you know, even doing some of these things. But I just thought that was important for everybody to hear. Um, yeah, I told you. He touched on something really important, diversity, whether it's diversity in color, diversity in backgrounds. It's so easy to just surround yourself with people that think like you and look like you. But you're not growing in that way. You're not getting exposed to new ideas, different perspectives. And once you do that, that's when you really... The sky the limit then because you, yeah, no. you combine forces. <laughs> and one of my favorite one of my favorite things um people say is, Show me your five closest friends and I'll tell you who you are. And then I go and say if you're if your five closest friends are drug dealers, you're probably gonna be a six <laughs> drug dealer. Mm -hmm. If your five closest friends are millionaires, you're probably gonna be a six billionaire. Um yeah. so I'm gonna tell you who I hang around with now. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, only certain people come in my house, I'll tell you that. Um, I'm honored I'm to be here. It's a beautiful home, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Only certain people come in here because it's it's important to really have that circle of friends. But let's get into let's 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 talk about some. So when you came into the house, we we're talking about our days, and um, just give you guys a sense as to what our days look like, and then something else. I really I want I want to talk about this Geiger case really, but before before we get to that case, just general sense so you guys listening get a sense as to what our days are like. For me, um, woke up this morning, had a soccer game at eight o'clock. Normally I wake up on Saturdays and start working, but. Mm. For the first time, not off day for you, Saturday. I don't, I don't, I don't ever have off day. Grind, don't stop. I don't ever have off day. I'll tell you what I do. So every night before I go to bed, I have a um, a little notepad and I write down my goals for the next day. What mm -hmm. are things I need to do the next day? Yeah. 
on Saturdays, I don't do it for Sundays. Okay. So my off day is Sunday and try to spend, focus yeah, worship, on family. family. Exactly. Yeah. Worship, you Spirit. know, it's church in the morning and all that stuff. But then, um, I still do things. It's just like, I'm not forced to do it. If okay. I'm going to do it, it's just out of the freedom. But the other days, it's kind of like I have to do it because I've written it down. I've made a contract with myself that I'm going to do these things. Love it. Love it. But um, so normally on Saturday, I would get up and start grinding and start working. But yesterday, I left my laptop at work, and that's not the first time I've ever done that. So wow. it was a rough morning. <laughs> Same as I woke up, went to the soccer game. And we got the dub. We got the, we got the yeah, win. Well, okay. I coached the soccer team too, so. Oh, one more thing he <laughs> yeah, does. Yeah. No excuses. Well, yeah, I've got great um, co-coaches. So shout out to Taylor, <laughs> Ken, my wife, Janae. Teamwork. Teamwork, yeah. Teamwork, dream work. But, so we got the dub. After that, we went out with the soccer team for breakfast. Um, and then after breakfast, then we went to, to a friend's house. So one of my son, Tony's friend's house. Just check out their backyard. They're building a nice basketball court back there. And, okay. Um, just hang out. Just check it out. And then went to work, grabbed my laptop, came back home. So by the time I get back home, it's like almost one o'clock probably. Um, then I started grinding. Then I, <laughs> I had a call with um, a young lady in Chicago, phenomenal young lady, who will be hosting a Black Men and White Coat Summit. So, oh, which, so okay. this might be the first oh, time you guys are hearing it. 2020, yeah. Okay, okay. But I mean, we're all over the country next year, so we're doing wow. Dallas February 15th. We'll be in Chicago March 7th. We're going to be all over the place for wow. the Black Men and White Coat Summit next year, and we have some other cities. You guys will hear about them. So I had that call, and I was on that for a while, getting that situated. We do just our regular conference planning call and such. And then now you're here, so now we're launching this first um, Rise Up podcast, and Man. I think it's going to be a good deal. And then when you leave, I'll keep on grinding. Keep on grinding. <laughs> and then that's, that's my, how he does it. <laughs> yeah, but then for the evening, sit down, watch a movie with my family. Um, Got to have that family time. Be present. Be yep. present with them, not just out there doing it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's a typical Saturday. And that's very important, too, especially for entrepreneurs <laughs> where some mind is going 24-7 ideas and want to execute on things. But... You have to have that family time as well, where you yeah. you're present. Like, so you're not on your phone, you're on your laptop. You you're in the moment, and that's something that takes a lot of discipline to do. And I tell you when important. when that got me. So, <laughs> oh, excuse me, man. When that got me, I was in my old house, and I remember I was sitting at my my desk. <clears throat> excuse me, I was sitting at my desk, and I was doing some work on my computer. On my my wife and my kids were in the backyard playing soccer or something. Mm-hmm. One second. I got this deal in my throat. I got to clear it out. Yeah, I, got, I got sinuses too. Uh, my sinus allergy killing me this year. I know. This man. season. I'm never going to edit that out of the podcast. That's stink. <laughs> hey, speak raw. This is what you get. <laughs> Real. I'm the time to edit it. But, so we're in the, they were on the backyard playing soccer or something in the backyard. I'm inside on the computer just working, just plugging away. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to the song. There's a, um, a rapper named Bizzle. And I forgot the words of the song exactly, which song, but pretty much she's just rapping the song and I'm sitting there just doing my work, just bobbing. I look out the window, I see my family outside. And then the song, Bizzle says something about, something to that exact effect, like, yeah, you're you're at home with the kids, but you're not really there. And he's just saying all this stuff. And I just stop him like, <laughs> like, yo, man, what's going on? Computer went off, went outside to be with my family. And ever since then, I've got this whole mindset about when it's time to be present, be present. Yeah. Um, absolutely it's important yeah um so part of you know i started the podcast saying kind of why we wanted to do this and a big part of it was being able to spend time to expound and go into more detail on whatever i talk about on maximize monday okay and maximize monday this week was about forgiveness and um 
forgiveness and it's funny you think about forgiveness but you don't think about forgiveness as maximizing your life and increasing your productivity but i can promise you i promise you forgiveness is huge it's huge it's huge it's huge man And, and and here's here's the deal all of us have somebody to forgive Right, so you can't including ourselves. Exactly, including ourselves, man. Tell me, what does that mean? What does that mean? So a lot of times we'll we'll just kind of dwell on the past, maybe something we failed at, something that we, uh, maybe a relationship we messed up, or something in your past where you you holding it against yourself. You don't have that forgiveness, and you're just carrying around it. It's dead weight. It's definitely taking a toll on you, whether you realize it or not. You have to let it go. And what what really resonated with me, I just realized this a couple years ago. I was reading something or watching TV and it was a Nelson Mandela quote where he talked about said where uh, basically if you have a grudge against somebody, you got some type of you haven't forgiven them. It's essentially like drinking poison. Yeah. And you, you expect, you're drinking it, but you're expecting it to kill them. And that, that, that dawned on me like, man, because up to that point, I, I've never had a relationship with my father. And up until that point, I, I couldn't even call him my father. I would call him my sperm donor just because I had so much hate and resentment towards him for not being there. And it dawned on me, like, I'm drinking the poison. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hurting only me. And then once I finally let go and say, okay, I'm going to forgive him. The past is the past. Can't change it. I can focus on the future now. And just summarize that all up. I called him about a month later, and, and he was happy to talk to me. I, and I told him for the first time, I love you. Yeah. Man, that, that just brought tears to my eyes. And he said he loved me. And a month later, he got to meet my daughter his granddaughter. So just that forgiveness opened up the doors for him to have a relationship with his, his granddaughter. And also it just lifted that weight off my chest. I mean, yeah, this was, is that, I love that poison deal, right? Cause it's just, uh, it's holding you back. Cause most of the time you're holding this grudge and you're like, in your heart, you might be saying bad things about that person and, and mm-hmm. you're so upset. You're frustrated. And that person doesn't even know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or they might know, but, they don't, like, they don't care. They don't <laughs> yeah, care. They're living their life. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're going about doing what they have to do because they have to survive. They're not sitting at home thinking, oh, I hope Dale or I hope Derek's just, I hope they're not <laughs> still mad at me. <laughs> right. They don't care. They have a life. And it's, I was yeah. listening to a Dale Carnegie book, um, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. And he talks about how your subconscious. Think and Grow Rich is um, Napoleon Hill. Napo- that's, Napoleon, that's Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill. Okay, yeah, Napoleon yeah. Hill. It's classic. But, but talk- it's about, but, he, but you're right. He talks about Dale Carnegie's okay. father in the book. Ah, okay. So he, they talk about within your subconscious, um, the positive emotion and negative emotion can't exist at the same time in your subconscious. So if you have a negative emotion, whether it's hate, resentment, whatever, that means you're blocking that positive emotion from existing. And hmm. that really resonated with me too. Like, okay, anytime I'm just having negative thoughts, I mean, I can't have positive thoughts at the same time. So it's really a choice. Yeah. That was, that was really deep for me. It's like the, um, and we're covering a whole lot of grounds. We'll get back to forgiveness here in a second, but we're, we're on that track and just flowing. Let it out. <laughs> that's what, that's why it's getting out to script anything, you know, but you know, that goes to this whole idea, this, the law of attraction, um, which is honestly, I, I don't want to ruin the book for you guys, but if you read the book, Think and Grow Rich, I'm, I'm going to ruin it. It's a spoiler alert right now. Okay. <laughs> so a big part of the book is you're telling you that you need to figure out the secret to talk about what is the secret. Um, it's like as soon as you figure out the secret, your life's going to get great. So many great things. I'm going to tell you guys what the secret is. Um, and there's actually a whole documentary called The Secret. The, yeah. the, the Secret is about it's on Netflix. Well, yeah. It's about this. And Bob Proctor is always talking about this. It's the law of attraction is what it is. And, and it comes from um, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. As a man thinketh, so is he. 
excuse me, as a man thinketh, so is he. Yeah. As the whole idea is that whatever it is that you're thinking about all the time, what's on your mind, that's what you're going to become. So if you're thinking about negative stuff and that lack of forgiveness and you're just drowning yourself in, in that, you're going to become this negative thing, this negative force, and you're not going to you're not going to be able to accomplish anything because you're always going to be drowned. They're going to attract people like you who think we're negative as well. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Your whole life is going to be surrounded in negativity. And negativity, there's no upward mobility for people in this world who are negative. Right. But if you're always thinking about positivity and how am I going to grow? How am I going to help people? How am I going to be around the right type of people? Yeah. The law of attraction is going to bring you resources. And I know some people who might not know us or some people who, who don't do self-development, they might be listening and being like, Oh, that's nonsense. Because I remember I would hear things like this before and kind of think, like, whatever, a right? A bunch of hoopla. Yeah, a bunch of hoopla. But I promise you. It's real. It's real. And keep in mind, positive people, they will not tolerate being around negative people long. Yeah. That's toxic to them. And so only people that's going to tolerate is other negative people. So it ties back into that law of attraction. recording on here. Still good. Yeah. I'm not I'm not even gonna lie. So certain people in my life I just if I go through a period where I'm just hearing negativity, I just won't talk for a while because it it impacts my productivity and I can't have that, right? I got I got a wife and kids, I gotta take right. care of people, right? right. So it's toxic. It is yeah, try to avoid it like the plague. <laughs> yeah, no. It's law of attraction, man. It's real. So that's the secret. But um, so you walked in here and when you walked in, you started telling me, and I, I don't even know this, but you started telling me about the Geiger case and all this started because, you know, we're talking about forgiveness mm -hmm. and with forgiveness, the Geiger case, Amber Geiger, if y'all don't know it, where have you been, right? <laughs> she's been all over the news lately. She's here in Dallas, Texas. She's a cop who shot Botham um, in his apartment. She thought it was her apartment, apparently walked up there, um, opened the door, saw a guy sitting on the couch or something and she shot him. And she's got sentenced to 10 years. And um, Botham's brother, I forgot his first name. Be like Bo, I believe is the hashtag. So I think his name is Bo, I believe. Okay. Maybe that's his name, like uh, yeah. abbreviation for his name, but yeah. Yeah, but so he got up on the stand. And I promise, man, it was one of the most impressive things I think that I've seen. The most I haven't watched thing. it yet. I need to. Oh, you haven't seen it? I haven't watched this testimony. I watched a lot of the trial. And I'll, I'll get into that. But yeah, I'm going to go back and watch. So I'm going to give you a spoiler alert if you're okay with it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> So he gets up there, he pretty much, he just pours his heart out and he pretty much just, just says, you know, um, I love you. I'm sorry this happened to you. Talking to Amber Geiger. I'm sorry this happened to you. And he says, you know what? I haven't told anybody this. I wasn't even going to tell my family, but I didn't even want you to go to jail. You know, I didn't even want you to go to prison. Wow. He's like, I just want you in your heart to accept Christ. And full disclaimer, guys, if you listen to this podcast, I'm a Christian. Um, that's Christian the foundation, well. of, foundation of my life. Anybody... Any, everybody's welcome to listen to this podcast, so I'm not excluding anybody. You know, uh, you know, I'm all about just love and, and right. everybody else. But you know, you are going to hear me saying things like that. Just the way it is, that's my life, and um, I have no problem with anybody else. So that's just, yeah. you know, my, but anyway, so he's talking. He's talking. He says, "I just wish you would accept Christ." And um, and then he gets up, he, uh, and then he asks the judge, "Can I give her a hug?" Wow. And then he's just sitting there. He's like, please, please, I just want to give her a hug. So Judge, I guess, approves it. He gets up and he gives her a big hug. Um, and he's talking about how he forget, forgives her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that went up on social media. We posted it on Black Men and White Coats even. And people, some people started coming out the woodwork saying, ah, oh, nah, I, have to, I can't even watch that. I have to turn it off. People always want black people to take that position. I'm like, it has nothing to do with that. Like, absolutely nothing to do with that. And 
I know I'm gonna. I'm some of y'all might stop listening to us right now. Never listen to Doctor Dale or Darius ever again. They're Sorry, Darius. Right people for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some positivity. That is yeah. what we want to attract. <laughs> but what people, you know, people who are criticizing him for doing that. I don't want to say you're selfish, but you have to think of it. First of all, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. It wasn't your brother who got shot, right? Right. What you have to realize is, is this young man just lost his brother. He's dealing with how do I relate to this woman emotionally for the rest of my life? I've got to think about this, right? Right. And I could either do exactly what we're talking about. I can either not forgive her and let and it drag down on me burden. Yeah. for the rest of my life, right? Or I can forgive her, move on, move past, past my life. And even bigger than that is, you know, Apparently, he's a Christian, obviously. He wants that for her and her life. So he's thinking about her wow. and her life. Um, so honestly, I was just mind blown when I saw people criticizing and saying, how could he do that? And I, I couldn't watch it. I can comprehend that. It's Dr. Maya Angelou who said, the greatest gift you can give yourself is to forgive everyone. That's the that's a gift to you. It's not even about the other person. It's a gift to you. And what you just described for him as a Christian Hey, God forgive you for your sins. Who are you to say, no, I can't forgive? How do you pick and choose who you're going to forgive or not? Especially when you have no personal relation to it. Yeah. You should have took that as more of, wow, what that represents. And when you describe it to me, I said, I love that because what it represents is forgiveness. We need more of that in the world. You keep going. I'm going to make sure this thing is still going. Definitely need more of it in the world because I love it. Like they say, love conquers all. If you ever seen a, a baby smile, <laughs> I have a four-month-old daughter now. All she knows is love. She looks at you, she smiles, and I see just love. That conquers anything. Like, why hate? I just, I don't, I don't comprehend it. I, I, I refuse to uh, accept that. But, but we're getting about the trial. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear. So he, he walked, there's walked in the house, started telling me about, yeah, I was part of that trial. I was like, whoa, you're part of, like, hold on so, now. Let so, me hear this. So, Claire, so I, I wasn't uh, one of the jurors. What happened was, they select, they sit out a, for jury duty, they call over a thousand people for jury duty because they knew so it was going to be, they need a large pool because they knew some people going to either be biased about the case has been high profile. So I was one of those thousand people that they called in and about 700 of us showed up. So one Friday we spent like the whole day filling out the questionnaires and stuff. They're trying to, the lawyers, they call it voir dire where they're trying to rule out whether you know a lot about the case, whether you're biased or whatever. So you already knew what, what the case was going to be or no? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, once I got there, she was actually there. Her and her lawyers were there and Judge Kemp. And we we're just in a huge conference room downtown Dallas at the courthouse. And so I made it past the first stage where they called me back the next Friday. Ended up being there from nine in the morning to nine at night. Mm -hmm. And basically doing that part is where her you have the prosecutor where they go. They get up. They explain to you what the case is going to be about, what the, the statue is, is for murder. And basically they start asking questions. And it what really was powerful for me, they asked one question. They said, how many of you just looking at her and knowing she's going to be charged with murder would not be able to convict her no matter what evidence we prove, no matter if we prove beyond a reasonable doubt? You had people get up and said, I can't. And they, who, were, they were crying. Who asked that? Was that who, who, the, the prosecutor asked that question. Okay. You had people get up, they, they were crying. They're like, I can't do it. You had black people saying that, white people. That hit me. And then um, just to summarize all that, like I said, ultimately they just selected out of that nine or well, seven hundred people that showed up. They selected sixteen jurors, uh, four are alternates, twelve are the actual jurors. And keep in mind, on that jury, for people that's upset about how long she got and everything like that, the majority were black people. It was six people that were black <laughs> that determined her fate. But I wasn't selected for the final jury. That's why I'm able to, I was able to talk about it. But what I really took away most of all from that that whole experience, almost 16 hours going through the jury selection process, 
It's just how great our legal system is. Both the prosecutor, the judge and the defense attorney, they went through great measures to try to make sure that she was going to get a fair and impartial jury, that she was going to make the state have to prove her guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's, that's amazing. Regardless of color, everyone's afforded that same right as Americans. Whether you believe it or not, sure, there's injustices. Sure, there's um, times where it's just human error. But that's any organization. You can't name another country that has a better justice system than ours. And that following that same night, I made a post about all this. Like, hey, this this really gave me more respect and appreciation for our justice system. Yeah. And then full disclaimer, I watched a lot of the trial just because I was invested in it by because I went through that whole process. Normally, we didn't watch it just because we got better things to be doing that's positive related. And I can't change the outcome of the case. I'm not on a jury, so I wouldn't have really been paying attention to it. But I watched a lot of it on Fox News Live and I watched the closing arguments by the prosecution and the defense attorneys. And I said afterward, before that, I was on the fence. And after that, after watching the prosecution and the defense closing arguments, I said I would convict her just because they proved their case beyond a reasonable doubt. She had intent to murder him. And it, and they never presented evidence like it was racial or she yeah. intentionally did it. What She had the intent once she opened that door and pulled the trigger. She she testified on stand herself and saying, I, when I pulled the trigger, I had the intent to murder him, to kill him. That's that. And the yeah. prosecution, they proved their case. It had nothing to, for me, it had nothing to do with race. It had me listening to the evidence, which a lot of people don't go nowhere close to listen to the evidence. They yeah. hear, they're here snipping on Facebook or something like that and, and make a conclusion. And I listened to the evidence, hours of it. And I made that conclusion. I would have convicted her. Um, and the last thing on that is, it was funny, and I have to throw my sister under the bus. <laughs> my my no. older sister called me yesterday. Family business. Well, I ain't like, got nothing to do with this. Like, on you. She, she was like, they, my um, co-worker, she works at the school. She's like, teachers are talking about the case at um, at school. And my sister hadn't heard nothing about it. Where's she in Dallas? She's, she? in, she's in Florida. Florida. My sister hadn't heard nothing about it. She heard little snippets about it. She's like, yeah, I heard it was that cop that she was she was drunk and, and, and walked in his apartment and shot him or something. <laughs> so it's just like people come to conclusions. It makes with, up, with, with, they have no idea about the evidence. And that was something the prosecution said. He said, hey, you you as juror, jury, part of the jury pool, you all, no one knows about this case because it's been sealed. The judge had a gag order. The prosecution didn't talk about it. The defense couldn't talk about it prior to the trial. Yeah. So anything people were making conclusion about had nothing to do with the facts of the case. It had to be do with just what they heard on social media or rumors or something. So it's just important to hey, listen to the facts and then draw a conclusion, an educated conclusion. Yeah, that stuff is crazy. <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's the social media for you. Uh, <laughs> a lot of good in social media, but then you got a lot of the bad stuff. But, yeah. you know, I just, I, back to that forgiveness, I just think it's so important and <laughs> Excuse me, and I'm I'm just I'm just so happy he did that. I love that. I love it. Gave American opportunity to consider what forgiveness means, and and demonstrated for people what I hope you know what I hope you guys listen to this. What I hope you're getting out of this. I hope you actually study that. I hope you go back and you watch it and you study it and you think about it and really put yourself in his shoes and what would you have done and such. You know, for those of you who are who are mad, listen to this saying I wouldn't have forgiven him. Forgiving her, I mean, put yourself in his shoes and just think about what the rest of your life would have looked like if you didn't forgive her. Yeah. And what I always ask myself a question like that is, who is this serving? Is this serving me? Is this serving my family, my friends, people around me? Yeah. Me holding in hatred, resentment, racism, 
that's not serving anyone. It's not no. certainly not serving me. So like you said, him carrying that around, that's not going to serve him. He can't change what happened, but he has a choice at that point, whether to forgive or not. And what that represents is so powerful. And then going back, how does it tie in with being productive is now he has a certain level of freedom. He knows that he did his best that he possibly could do with what he had to work with in this whole case. Like you said, he couldn't bring his brother back. Yeah. You know, yeah, he had nothing to do with whether or not she got sentenced for real. Um, but he did his best to bring positivity to that case. He could have gone and said, oh, I hate you. I'm going you know, to get your family. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to do that. He could have done that, but that would have served no positive purpose. <laughs> no, no, nothing good would have come out of that. No. Nothing good would have come It made him feel better for two minutes by the time he got off the, the vent, off the testifying. He's back to the, holding that same resentment. Yeah, it's because toxic. And, and that's, here's another part of the reason why it's toxic, right? Because when you start saying you, when, when you have this negative emotion built into you about somebody, someone that negative emotion, there's something about, I want to do something bad to hurt that person so they feel what I feel. Mm -hmm. So then you're stuck. Not only do you have the negative emotion of not being happy, not liking that person, but then you have the, the, um, you're holding yourself to a certain level of, oh, I want to do something to that person, right? Mm -hmm. And then, or to someone that looks like them. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I want to do something negative. I got the negative emotion. I want to do something negative mm -hmm. that it, one way or another would hurt that person, make them feel bad, right? Right. And then now because you have that feeling, now if you're saying at least, now you have to put forth extra effort to hold yourself back from actually going out and doing that. Counterproductive. It's counterproductive, <laughs> man. So it's just so much building. It just builds up and builds up and builds up as opposed to you just saying, you know what, man, that was a horrible thing that happened. But I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna forgive. I'm gonna. I'm not saying I'm gonna be happy with them, but I'm gonna forgive them and say, you know what? I wish that didn't happen, but I forgive you for happening. Doesn't mean I'm gonna hang with you. Doesn't mean I'm cool with you. Mm -hmm. But I forgive. Assuming that the person is um repentful and that person right wants that forgiveness, right? Right. Um, say I'm gonna. Actually, you can forgive them whether or not they and, want it. And you make up a good point. Just because you forgive someone, I don't mean you have to have them in your life. Yeah. You, you can love someone from a distance or just completely wash your hands with them. But you, as long as you forgive them, as long as you're not holding on to it. At that point, they still have control over you. They're still impacting your emotions. That's the right way to say it. they have control over you. They have you. control over you. You think you have the control of you, hating, resentful. No, they have control over you. Because every time you think of them, you're having some type of physiological, uh, physical, <laughs> emotional reaction to them. And they're not thinking well, nothing say that, say that. Say that part again. <laughs> say that again, man. <laughs> every time you think about that person that you haven't forgiven, that you're holding resentment towards hatred, you have a physiological, physical, and emotional reaction to just thinking about them. That's a lot of control that you do not want to have, let someone have over you Man. that you could be using for much better purposes. I hope, I hope, I hope everybody <laughs> listen. I hope you guys got that, right? I really hope you guys got that. So it's not just like, I'm not forgiving that person. It's that lack of forgiveness physically impacts you. And I'm a medical doctor. Yeah, yeah, take it from I'm a medical. real medical doctor. I'm, I know those of you guys watching might see me and say, man, he doesn't look like a doctor, but I'm at home. I'm in my house. All right. Just leave me alone. I know I'm not wearing the white coat. Don't judge me. I, I can, I'm, a, I'm a decent doctor. Okay. But I am a medical doctor and I'm telling you what Darius just said is true. That's that emotional dust turned physical. That is real. That is 100% Everybody knows that, right? I'm, and I'm not a doctor, but I know that. He knows that, right? <laughs> I felt that, and I know it firsthand. <laughs> yeah, it's real. And then going back to how all this ties in, you know, why did I even add max, uh, add forgiveness to Maximize Monday? Because you cannot maximize your day. You cannot maximize your life if you have that emotional holding you back. If you've got that physical force holding you back. If you have that spiritual force holding you back, right? Yeah. 
you can't you can't move forward if all that stuff is holding you back. Right. I love you brought you incorporated that into maximize Mondays because it's something that people so many people overlook it. Yeah. They don't think about it. They think about okay, I'm striving to be successful, striving to be a better husband, wife, mother, father, whatever. But they they don't think about the all of the resentment and hatred that they're holding inside by not forgiving. So that's just really important that you're bringing that to light. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's, that's big. And, and again, I'm going back to the thing right now. This applies to everybody because everybody has somebody in their life or themselves or something yeah. that they haven't forgiven yet. Everybody. I can think of stuff in my life, you know, um, like some of my boys back in the days who did something might have hurt me. And, um, you know, had to have to turn it around. And, and after a while, I say, you know what? I forget. I forgive you. I forget. It's not, it don't matter. We're all going to live. We're all going to die. Don't spend your life being mad at somebody. Mm-hmm. That's that's a waste of your time, man. It's a gift to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it is a gift to yourself, certainly. Yes, I mean, easily one of the best ways to increase your productivity is to free yourself from the dead weight of unforgiveness. You, you have to do, to be successful, you know, a lot of people define, uh, yeah, I, I don't want, I, I, won't, I won't ask you this question right now, but because um, we're getting to a whole different topic, but okay, I was going to say, okay. how do you define success? Mm-hmm. But I'll get down a whole different rabbit hole. <laughs> but I don't define success with money. And I, I doubt you do either. But a lot of people just think about, I want to get as much money as possible. Well, I'm going to tell you now, you have a much better chance of getting that money if yeah. you're not, if you're not, if you're trying to go up there and reach and climb that ladder, yeah. it's a lot easier to climb that ladder. This weight isn't pulling you down. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. another analogy I heard where he said, like carrying that, that resentment and unforgiveness is like putting it, like having dead, what's it, having weight in the, in your trunk. Like just having a lot of stuff in your trunk, you can either use that fuel, put in your gas tank, or put in your trunk. Yeah, that's how. But yeah, you you only use it to fuel you to prepare you for that bad boy in the gas tank. Or if you put it in the trunk, (laughs) then it's just this is weighing you down. That's what it really boils down to. Forgive, forgive, forgive. It's not about that person getting the better of you. It's about you giving that gift to yourself. So, um, what is the thinking? Thinking forward i don't i don't remember what my maximized monday is for next week but what does your next week look like how are we gonna you know you know something's gonna happen we'll be able to come back to the table next week and we'll share with you guys how our week look like but get a sense what's, what does your week look like well, next week look like i already had working on another well actually yeah my wife and i we actually co-series uh co-authored a children book series so but, that's what i'm talking about so all about read, the kiddos, man. All about the kiddos. Shout out to um, Dr. Doc. And I just read Dr. Doc, added it to my added to Legacy's library. It's a great book. Go. I learned some stuff about the hard, so I, I love the book. Uh, but yeah, my wife and I got her. This is going to be her first book, so I got her to co-author a, a book with me. She actually did a version for the girls, and I did a version for the boys. That's what I'm talking about. Man, so, now, now I'm going to go off. Now, I'm going to tell my wife. She's going to start writing some books with me, yeah, man. Yeah, put it on. Garrett's wife does it. <laughs> tell her to put it on. Tell her to put it on. Um, Facebook and tag my wife and okay, do that, all right. you know, that, that fake lifestyle. Keeping up with the Jones, that's Facebook style, right? <laughs> oh, exactly. That's a whole nother topic. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but that's, that's what we've kind of focused on right now. Uh, Let just, me just tell y'all real quick on that keeping up with the Joneses thing. What most people don't know is the Joneses is broke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Joneses is broke. The, the people that's trying to portray that they're rich, yeah, they, they're trying to cover up. They really not most times. Cause really rich people there. They don't feel like they don't have to stunt. They're not trying to prove nothing to nobody. They're busy yeah. making more money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly right. But I've actually been there. I'll just answer your question real quick about what I think about success. When I was so coming from poverty and then by age 23, uh, after I got in the military, I was able to make six figures. 
23 years old, making six figures, coming from poverty. So while you're 23 making six figures, I was taking on six figures of uh, <laughs> debt and um, med school. So. Hey, it was your doctor that I paid off. Yeah. But so I, I still had that poverty mindset. Even though I was out of poverty, I still had that poverty mindset. So I didn't understand about saving, investing, anything like that. I blew a lot of that money. Yeah. But then I defined success as having nice cars, house, and all that other stuff. Now, now I'm 35, I'll turn 36, totally different. To me, success now is having good people around you, being a good person, a good leader, being somebody of character, integrity, uh, being a good. And as far as leadership, I think leadership starts at home, especially for a man. You have a lot of men where they'll, they'll work about climbing the corporate ladder and being so successful at work, but they're not a leader at home. So yeah. to me, those type of things are success, not monetary. That's just the extra icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah, man, money comes, money goes, you know. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, you know, my goal is to be good at life. Mm -hmm. Be good at life. I want to be just as good as a doctor, not as good as a father, not as good as a husband. Be good at life. Good at life, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that comes with life. and Life is hard, but hey, roll with the punches. <laughs> I got to roll with them, man. You only get, you know. So what's next for you? You got a lot mentioned oh, man, the summit. Got, what else you yeah, got a lot of stuff. On? A lot of stuff. So, um, book, right? So this this is just the first book. I got... I already have five of them written. Wow. So I'm about to start rolling them out. We're just cleaning them up, getting the illustrations done and everything. And um, got five of these ones coming. Um, I have another book, which is already written. Black Men and White Coats book. That's already done. I just need to... Um, just got to wait. Waiting to drop them. <laughs> waiting to drop them, right? Because I can't drop them in the middle of releasing these. I want to get right. these out first. Right, right. And then I'll drop it after these. And then I've got another book that I'm writing right now. Which I'm probably out on, I forgot what chapter. I mean, but anyways, I have another book which I'm actively writing right now as well. So that one will come out. Wow. I probably put that one out 2021. So for the viewers, touch on it real quick about like the process from when you wrote your first book to now, once you got that formula down, got the confidence, hey, I can write a book. Now you're just pumping them out. Now you have them waiting <laughs> to release them. Like, how'd you, how'd you make that transition though? Yeah, it's a little bit different, right? Cause it's also, it's, uh, the children's books are, aren't as difficult. Um, yeah. Yeah, with those, it's more so you get the storyline. There's more so the illustration that really exactly, you know, exactly yeah. right. So children's books are a little bit different. So you can pump out the kids' books um, faster. And just so y'all know, don't don't think you're gonna write a book and get rich because people come to me. People are like, oh, Dr. Dale, I want to write a book, and yeah. and yeah, you know, that's it, my ticket. I'm, yeah, that's my, my ticket. retirement plan. Yeah, that's not how it works. People don't make money off books for real like that. Not you know, really, yes, everything um, you do outside of that, yeah, yeah that's how, that's that's where you get the money from. Yeah. And, and uh, you can make money writing books, but you got to write a lot of books first. Um, right. And the other questions, uh, I'm getting into a rabbit hole here, but people always talk about who's your publisher and stuff like that. Well, I publish my stuff myself because I want to own all the rights to my books. I do self-publishing as well. Yeah, I was uh, I was down and um, talking to the folks from TD Jakes Enterprise. I had a meeting with a couple of guys a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. and we we're talking about you know how TD Jakes does his stuff, and I was telling them you know how I own my stuff and. Cause I want all the rights, and of course, TD Jakes goes with publishers. They were like, Well, Dale, you got to keep in mind, TD Jakes has leverage, yeah, so we can go to the publishers, he can get these big fat contracts, right? Mm -hmm. So, if I was like on TD Jakes level, yeah, maybe I'll go out there and do right, something right, like that. Right. But, um, you know, I'm gonna own my stuff, yeah. and just don't think you're gonna start writing books and get rich. Not, not it, realistic. They say, I think the numbers say if you get up to 20 books, you can start making fifty thousand dollars a year if you, mm -hmm. if you if you promote them right and such. But so the process, exactly what you said, it's just little by little. Yep. Is you know how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? One bite at a time. It's just little by little. I'll tell you my, you know this book right here, Pre Med Mondays. Well, people don't realize and don't talk about it. But I mean, this book technically was probably like 
12, 14 years in the making. Wow. Because I, when I was a pre-medical student, right before I started med school, I started writing a book, and it was called, um, I think, The Road to Medical School. Mm-hmm. I wrote this little small booklet. and in medical school writing a book. <laughs> uh, oh, man, wow. I was in the med school. Yeah, I started it before. Wow. I started after I got accepted to med school. Wow. So I wrote a little booklet, and then, um, you know, I actually sold some of them. I still have, like, a copy somewhere in the house. Wow. I sold some of them. Um, but it wasn't, of course, you know, I was young, so I didn't have the full perspective. Mm-hmm. But then after, after, after I've been mentoring and doing a lot of stuff for a while, then I had a full perspective where I can actually write this book. And okay. this book is gold, man. It's probably the best premium type of book deal you read for mentorship. It was funny. So, a guy I used to work with at Hewlett Packard, he wanted to be a doctor. He was probably already in like late thirties, but he still had aspirations of being a doctor. Yeah. And I told him I had met you. He's like, oh, man, I, I have his book in my, in my bookshelf today. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that's cool. Small world. <laughs> He's on his way, man. He's on the way being a doctor if he, if he reads the book and listens to it. Yeah. But, I mean, so this book took a long time um, to write in the mindset. Now, I don't remember either either Pre-Med Mondays or How to Raise a Doctor. One of these books actually recorded a lot of it in my closet in my old house. Wow. Because what would happen is I would be in my bed at nighttime typing, and my wife would be like, Ah, go away, you're too loud. So she made me get out of the bed. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, man, where am I supposed to go? The kids are sleeping. You know, if I go downstairs, the dog's going to bark. So then I just went in the closet, sat in the closet. Wow. And I was like, well, I can't really type. It's uncomfortable. So I just got a microphone. And I and I recorded. Actually, no, I did it on my, I think I used Evernote. I think I did it on my cell phone. Okay, yeah. I recorded all the audio. Okay. And later on, transcribed it. It's a lot of work. So then you got to go clean it up. Right, right, right. But I mean, that's okay. how that book got But what written. that represents, I hope you all understand, is where there's a will, there's always a way. Yeah. <laughs> so excuses are, they're futile. Where there's a will, there's a way. You didn't say, okay, my wife don't want me writing in the bed. I yeah. can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that, yeah. that's, that's that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You're always going to find a way if it's important to you. No, that's true. And then right now, I'm just doing, I just do what you do, just a little bit of time here and there. Mm-hmm. Ideas. I mean, going back to how we started the podcast, everybody's got an idea. I've got a lot of book mm-hmm. ideas and they stay yep. in my mind until I, yep. until I finish one and move on to the next. Yeah, that's why know? I asked you that because now that I've written my first book, I have like 10 book ideas. Oh, yeah. I'm just ready. Like, okay, well, I'm ready to get to this one. Now, it's just those ideas just start pumping. And think in mind for me, I never had aspirations of being an author, a speaker, any of that. It just, just the calling because entrepreneurs, they solve problems. And I had people coming to me, okay, how did you become successful? How can, can you help me do this, do that? And it made me, okay, I want to solve those, their problems. I want to create products that's scalable that can help people, not just one person, two people. A lot of people, millions of people is my vision. So how do you do that? You create products, you write books, you do podcasts, you, you speak, you do all these things where you can actually solve people's problems, help them. I mean, that's what it's about. It's about adding value to people's lives. And we talk about the definition of success and a big part of my definition of success. Um, a big part of it, there's a heavy weight towards how many people have you helped, how many people are you helping. Right. Um, and you, this, this is what you do. Like exactly what you said, I can sit here and talk all I want, but some people just are never going to listen to this podcast, but they will go pick up the book. Right. Now, right. some people won't listen to the podcast, but they'll watch the video. We're filming right. the video while we're doing this, right? Yep. Um, and that's why social media is great um, because it gives you an opportunity to reach more people and really just help as many people as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. The summits, you know, Black Men and White Coast Youth Summit, everybody's like, so after we did the summit in Dallas, that jump was crazy. You know, we did the Today Show. We did everything. Wow. And then everybody started sending me messages. Hey, Dr. Dale, how could I get to the summit? Actually, a lot of people couldn't come. So like, mm-hmm. you know, you bring the summit to us. Okay. Um, 
So it was, like you said, just find ways to scale. So now what we do is we, we partner with individuals or organizations in different cities and we partner with them uh, so they can host the summits in your city, right? Okay. Um, and it's this whole idea about scaling and adding value to people's lives. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what that's what yeah, I that's forgot what book about. I was reading, but they said pretty much your paycheck is a representation of how many people you're impacting. So when you think about the richest people in the world, Bill Gates, things to do like that, they're impacting Bill Gates, billions of people. And he's, he's making billions of dollars. If you're impacting hundreds of people, you're probably making hundreds of dollars. So if you think about it that way, like how many people are you really impacting? That's, that's going to be your, your work ultimately. That's amazing. That's a very good way to look at it. I, I forgot who it was either Warren Buffett or someone else. The book I was reading was, yeah, so how many people are you impacting? That's how much you're going to be getting paid. <laughs> it made me think, like, yeah. Man, I'm not impacting enough people then, man. I got to step up my impact. I got work to do. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Putting out a podcast tomorrow, day after the day after, I got to reach more people, man. But um, that was good stuff. Anyway, so the first week, where this podcast is going, there's, I don't know. I'm excited. I like this. It's a lot of fun. And hey, gave a lot of, I think, a lot of value in the first episode. So. Yeah, I think so. Well, the best is yet to come. We're just getting warmed up. I know. <laughs> Our first one, sorry, I keep on having to suck because I got a little many cold ones drying up my mouth like crazy. Um, again, that's just me being real. Hey, I'm not holding all, back from you guys. <laughs> it's that season. <laughs> but, um, so you guys check it out. So my website, oh, a few of them, I'm going to shout, I'm going to say them all just because this is our podcast. We can do what we want. There you go. <laughs> so Dr. Dale, yep. com. Check it out. That's my personal um, site where you learn a little bit about me. If you want to request me as a speaker, that's where you get me at. Um, I'm launching a coaching coaching platform from there and everything. Uh, org. That's every and all things Black Men and White Coats. So you guys, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen the document, not the documentary. We're working on doing a feature-length documentary right now, actually. Wow. Um, but you've probably seen our short docs. Um, either that you've heard about the summit or you've heard the podcast. So that's all on blackmenandwhitecoats.org. www.diversemedicine.com. That's our tech platform where we do uh, recruiting so med schools can come on that platform and recruit pre-meds directly we do mentoring so for anybody who wants to be a doctor you need to be on diversemedicine.com request a mentor get your mentor be in the community and then we have diversemedicine.org which we're actually rebuilding right now okay which is going to be our community outreach um where we go into the schools and stuff like that and do things for the schools wow. so those are the platforms follow us on social media um dr dale md or team bmwc so those are my my things. What are yours, Darius? You're making a lot of impact at all those websites. Hey, that's that what, that's sound, that you're everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, my website's at uh, www.darishphillips.com, and Darish is spelled with an H instead of a K. And my mom was being unique, creative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other website for my podcast is uh, www.mentorselect.com. You go on there and get virtual mentorship for people I've interviewed. I've done 62 interviews so far, people of all type of career fields. But my criteria is people that's trying to make an impact that's positive, feel like making a difference through their career. So even definitely, especially like teenagers who are looking for career guidance, college students looking for career guidance, that's good for them. And then uh, next big thing with that, uh, also what I'm about to be launching probably at the end of this year is start doing coaching as far as people who want to write a book and self-publish their own book especially like nonfiction, autobiographies, memoirs, that type of stuff. If you got a story on your heart, something you want to share with the world, 
Hey, I want to coach people to do that because a lot of people been asking for it. So I'm gonna give them a solution. <laughs> yeah, you ain't lying, man. I get that question. Yeah. Shout out to all y'all who asking. Let's keep on asking questions. But I, I will just say, and just being real, I appreciate the questions. I'm sure you do too. Keep on asking them. You guys who send me messages know I do my best to answer them. But it gets to a point where it's kind of so much and some so many things come in that it's hard to answer all those questions. And some questions that might seem simple really aren't that simple to explain or, or to tell, right? So, um, I mean, something like coaching is very important. This book, my first book, I had a coach. You know, mm. I had a coach. Um, great book, too. Read that one as well. Yeah. Great one. <laughs> yeah. And if you guys are parents, everybody needs to get this, How to Raise a Doctor. Absolutely. It's not just about raising doctors, but it's about just, you know, raising kids to do great things. Mm -hmm. But I had a coach, and... And I'm going to say this because it's important. So I had a book coach. Mm -hmm. um, when I moved to Dallas, I had a just a general kind of um, success coach or whatever. Mm -hmm. right? And these are people who I paid money to. right? So I want people to understand this. If you want to get better in life yourself, invest. you have to invest in yourself. You just do. Some people are like, oh, if you, if you want to get the good, high quality stuff, I don't drink wine. But I'm looking right now. I've got a few wine bottles on my counter that people give us. Neither my wife or I drinks alcohol. Mm -hmm. There's a few wine bottles there. And I don't know what kind of quality they are, but the better wine is going to cost you more money, right? It's right. higher quality value. Right. Get what you pay for. Get what you pay for. Right? Yeah. You get what you pay for. So if you come and ask me questions, I'm going to give you the best that I possibly can. But obviously, if you want to get a great job writing the book, you're going to have to pay. You, you don't have to. Don't get me wrong. You don't have to. But if you pay the right person, you're going to get great value out of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I just personally believe everybody should have a coach. So I have a coach right now again. So I had a book coach. I had a coach when I was Dallas. I have a coach right now. I just think it's important for your own development to have a coach. I heard someone say like Oprah has like multiple coaches. Yeah. If Oprah, a billionaire, have coaches, hey, all these there's CEOs something to it. Yeah, they have coaches. So like, how do you think all these CEOs? Why do they? Why do they? They all have coaches. And here in Dallas, there's a group. There's like a there's a specific group, like coaching group, just for C highest level CEOs. My wow. mentors did it. Think right. about professional athletes. What do they have? Coaches. <laughs> LeBron at the top of his game. He, he has a coach. Exactly. That's what, um, that's what really got me. I heard somebody say about Michael Jordan. They say Michael Jordan is the best basketball player who ever played basketball, you know, arguably, mm -hmm. and nobody on the planet can beat him, but he still has somebody training him. Yep. Bring right? out still the best in him. Definitely. Yeah. Uh -oh. So that's to your point about, about doing coaching for books, right? So, and with that, like you said, getting a lot of emails coming in. And for me now, I guess it becomes so many, but it gives me ideas. Like I say, entrepreneurs are problem solvers. So it may not be able to give you a detailed answer back, but that, that sees plenty like, okay, I need to create a solution that's going to solve not only their problem, but whoever else has that problem. So yeah, you, you may not, you may respond back with something short or whatever, but you know, like, okay, I'm going to create, it puts that seed in your mind. I'm going to create a product yeah. to solve this. <laughs> yeah. Because it's scalable. You want to help not just one person, millions, billions. Possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really what it's about. Um, did you did you give your social media handle? Yeah, social, uh, my social media handle, everything, Darius Phillips. So Instagram, uh, all mm -hmm. of them, LinkedIn, <laughs> Facebook, everything, Darius Phillips. I'm like one of the only, one of two of Darius. <laughs> Somebody spelled D-E-R-R-I-C-H. So it's easy to find me. Man, no, if, you <laughs> may, if you guys miss, if you guys can't find it, that's on you. Man. That's on you. <laughs> But I appreciate you guys listening. You guys, um, you know, one of my favorite Jay-Z lines, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it's something about you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me tonight. Yes, sir. So I appreciate y'all listening. You could have been anywhere. You could have been listening to anything in the world, but you chose to listen to us. Yeah. And for that, we love you guys and uh, much really love, appreciate it. Much love. Wish much success. Yeah, much success. So, you know, I, I like this. going to keep on trying to 
keep it coming. And, you know, what Darius and I said, we said, let's just do a few, few weeks, uh, see how it goes, see if, see if it's okay. And, uh, see, if we vibe. And I think we vibe. I knew we we're going to vibe before this yeah. and, uh, see if people like it. So if you guys like it, please, I don't know what platforms this is going to go on yet, but you know, probably YouTube everywhere. If you guys like, I guess I should look at the camera for the YouTubers. <laughs> if you guys like this, please click the button. You know, click subscribe, do all that subscribe, stuff you're supposed to do on share, social media, like, share, comment, yeah, all that. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep, keep on clicking buttons, right? Um, do all that stuff and definitely leave comments. Let us know you like it. Give us feedback. That's the best yeah. when you get feedback. Right. So it fuels us. Let us know. Okay. Exactly. We're not talking to ourselves. Someone's listening. It's yeah. helping someone. And we want to add value. So the more you guys give to us, I promise you, the more we'll give back to you guys. And trust me, both of us have a whole lot to give out and we're going to get, we're going to give it to you guys. This is just the first episode. We're going to give it to you guys and and uh, try to add value to eat last. So appreciate y'all listening, man. Love you guys. Rise up. Rise up. There you go. I forgot the name. Man. That's what I'm talking about. Rise up. I forgot the name, man.